This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. There's a lot of planning that goes into those magic moments that you spend on the river. At least there is if you live a distance from the rivers that you're going to fish. Even planning for a day trip, though, can be more complex than you realize. Kind of reminds me of watching my youngest son's college football games. Uh, My son Luke just finished his football career. Uh, He played for the University of North Dakota, Division I, FCS. And I was always fascinated by the preparation that went into games, particularly the away games. I mean, the team would start watching film from Saturday's game on Sunday afternoon, and then after they took Monday off, uh, the NCAA said, get a day off. Well, come Tuesday, they started game prep. They would watch film on the other team's offense and defense. They'd learn new plays. Then the 50 or 60 players who traveled, plus the coaches, trainers, media, would board a plane on Friday afternoon and fly to the city where they're playing. And I was struck by how much prep would have to go into hotel reservations and meals and equipment for this entourage. Then there were buses to the hotel and to the stadium and back to the airport. You know, really, planning for a fly fishing trip is like that. Wouldn't you say that's true, Dave? If it's like that, it's like the NASA space launch, right? I mean, (laughs) uh, that's a lot of complexity, but I would absolutely agree. And through the years, this really is your strength, and it has been an actual wonderful gift to our trips and we have not always had hugely successful trips i think we've had our duds i think we even did an episode on that but behind every successful fly fishing trip is a good deal of planning Mm. and so yes obviously there's times you can throw your gear into the truck Mm. you know the caddis are you know the Mm -hmm. rising and and you can have a great day and but if you're going to do a trip and a trip for us is is almost every time we fish because we live in the Chicago area. Right. And so a trip to the Driftless is a good three and a half, four hours away. Mm-hmm. A trip to Colorado is a flight and the travel mm-hmm. or a trip to Montana generally. Right. And we always Same go out thing. to Idaho and fish. And, and so a trip is a trip is a trip and uh, great trips require planning. So we're talking today about how we plan for a trip. In fact, Dave and I are in the process of planning our fishing trips for the next year. Uh, We're going to give you the rough order of what issues we consider when we form our plans. Now, remember, though, that planning is organic. Uh, Some pieces, which we might discuss later in the planning process, may happen earlier in the process. So you have to be flexible. But uh, we want to give you kind of a rough order of how we think about a trip and how we plan it. So let's get started. Uh, Dave, what's the first thing we do? Where do we start when we plan a trip? Well, simply looking to the new year, we asked the question, you know, what are the experiences that we want? Yeah. And for me, as I look back on the previous year, I definitely want to experience Montana in the fall again. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that means yep. I'm probably not going to experience Montana in the spring. We yeah. did that for a mm-hmm. string of years. Right. In fact, a couple years, we probably could afford at least. Mm-hmm. We did two trips to Montana. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, maybe we desperate, desperately needed it. But so one thing is, what are the experiences we want? Yeah. And tied to that is obviously the mm-hmm. area of the country. Right. 
Another issue under experiences, new places versus old favorites. So I just mentioned yeah. we'd love to go back to Montana and mm -hmm. fish the fall brown run and go back to Missouri, fish the Missouri, fish mm -hmm. the Gardner, fish Willow Creek, and yeah, see I was if we thinking, can replicate that. I was thinking about that. You, you're right. Replicate's the right word. I'm thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if I would change anything about that about that trip. I'd, I'd probably spend the same number of days each place. That was and great. And the weather was so perfect. It That's was. That's obviously the variable. Mm -hmm. you know, if it had yep. been sunny and 80 degrees, mm -hmm. which yeah. it was in North Dakota, like two weeks later yeah. when I went to hunt upland game. Yeah. Uh, if it had been like that, we wouldn't have had right. the days that we had. So what else do you think about when you think about experiences? You, you we always think about, okay, the big rivers versus mm -hmm. the smaller yeah. streams mm -hmm. or lakes. Right. So you and I have talked about, wouldn't it be great if you and I together could go fish Harrison Flats in Colorado? Right. So we're thinking, all right, so is there a way we can get out there this summer? Your mm -hmm. brother lives yeah. out in Colorado. And I know you went out there a couple times. Right. Um, so no, no, I'd like to do that. Yeah, I would love That'll to do that. That'll be a good topic for lunch today. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. I got. I'll have to figure out a boondoggle. I have a client out in Colorado yeah. Springs, so maybe I can like, you know, charge this to yep. my business and see a few people, and then that's you know, true. Happily make a you know make oh. a jaunt out to the Collegiate Peak that, Wilderness. That would be great. The other it? thing is floating versus wade fishing, mm -hmm. and what we found through the years is we always like to have at least one guided trip in a year and it gets expensive to mm -hmm. do more than that so if we fish 20 days a year each we might have one day that's guided right, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so that's a, important especially if we're fishing new waters yeah that's really critical then okay so let's talk about after experiences let's talk okay. about seasons of the year okay and why yeah. that makes a difference yeah so how much time do we have? What season of, of the year? Kind of group those uh, together. When, when you think about seasons of the year and you have three days, you have four days, five days, uh, weather is always a factor because freestone rivers can be unfishable at any time due to rain. I mean, yeah, even in absolutely. the summer, yeah, you may think, oh, July is the perfect time to go fish the Yellowstone, and it is. But I'll tell you what, if they get rain up in the park or if an elk pees two drops in the Lamar River, <laughs> the Yellowstone is going to be unfishable. Yeah, no, it blows up. If, if there is, gets if so there's dirty. rain yep. up there, it just, yeah. So you have to be aware of that. You know, weather is a factor, too, for clothing and for gear. Uh, a couple years ago, remember, we were, we were coming back from uh, fishing the Wyoming Bighorn, and we, uh, we entered Yellowstone Park at... Uh, up in Cook City, remember, we were yeah. going to go over and fish uh, the Yellowstone in the park. And uh, end of August, we woke up to snow. Yeah. Uh, so you, you never know. You, you have to say, all right, uh, first of all, what, what season of year do we, would we like to fish? Now, there, you know, there, could, be, uh, um, you know, there could be hatches uh, going on in the summer that we want to fish, or there could be the spawning. We want to fish for... Uh, the rainbows when they're running in the spring or the browns when they're running in the fall and then and then you factor in these other pieces what's the weather going to be like uh, uh, yeah what are we going to need for clothing and gear when I think about Montana I always think three seasons I think sp you know rainbow spawners in the spring mm -hmm. hoppers in late July early August mid-August yeah. and I think the browns in the fall I mean, that's how I, I think like it. the way you think. <laughs> exactly. But you're right. That's absolutely right. What was a what was kind of a lollipop last fall was when we were fishing the Browns, we had all the runners that were chasing them like the uh, 
the cuts. Mm-hmm. You cut some yeah, really nice cutthroat and some rainbows as well. It was amazing. I, it was something. That was great. All right, so we, we've talked a little bit about uh, what experiences we want and then, okay, how many days do we have and what's the season of the year? Uh, another biggie is travel and accommodations. Dave, talk about that. Well, this is always a big issue, and Steve and I are very fortunate because Steve used to live in Montana. He still has uh, his daughter's uh, in-laws live in Montana, plus he has a bunch of friends, uh, people who attended the church he served. So we're able to go out there for basically an airfare plus a couple days of accommodations and hotels. We also will stay at some of these friends' place. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're looking for cheap places uh, to stay. So, for example, this year we stayed at a couple inexpensive motels in Gardner, Mm -hmm. Montana. Uh, the Super 8 Comfort Inn. You know? Oh, I love the Comfort Inn. Remember that lobby with all those mounts? Oh, that was that, awesome. That was so cool. What was so cool about that is we got, not cool, what was kind of freaky about that, we got there late at night, <laughs> yeah, and there was the sign right. on the door, be aware of the grizzly bears. We've been seeing grizzly bears this year. Yeah, this. The, the lady at the desk <laughs> told us that. Oh, that was a lady yeah. at the desk, yeah. I mean, there was a sign on the door, but she said, yeah, there's been a grizzly roaming around the parking lot. It's like, great. Uh, so travel and accommodations. It of, does. Oh, and, and I should mention... When you talk about that, Dave, uh, this goes back to time of year because I know that that the Super 8 and the Comfort Inn, you get pretty good rates in the spring, you get good rates in the fall. Uh, those babies are going to be really pricey uh, during the winter, or I'm during the summer. So yeah. that, that's something to be aware of when you plan. That is very true, especially, and it'll also be the rivers will be crowded depending on mm-hmm. the time of year. A lot of fly fishers go to Montana and they fish the Gallatin and it's just packed up and down. That yeah. is just one packed river. That's true. So is the Laura and Madison yep. as well. Oh, I know. Especially in, I know. in, uh, in, in August. And so, the Yellowstone, it's like a traffic jam with the drift It's a traffic boats. jam. So if you're going to, going to places during that time, you have to think out of the box. Yeah, and we do. We don't avoid it, but we, you, have to, you have to approach it differently. So I think the travel and accommodations also affects how much gear we can take, especially right. if we're flying. Yep. Um, that's always frustrating. Steve, you always like... You're always like at that 50 pound, 51 pound. I amount. am. I have a I have a bag that I it's it's an Eddie Bauer suitcase. I mean, it's kind of a hybrid suitcase, uh, backpack sort of a thing. That uh, uh, I mean, I put my rod, my reel, my waders, all my fly fishing stuff is in that. And and I have I've had to work at uh, making some hard decisions. And because I always like to bring backups, I've got two sets of waders. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna put one in. Or if it's in the summer, uh, yeah, it'll only be one, and we might not even use waders. But you do have to think about that when you're flying. Uh, that's why a few years ago, when when uh, airlines started charging for carry-ons or an extra carry-on, uh, I used to take a rod tube, you know, a big rod tube, and that wasn't any big deal. But then when they wanted you to start paying for it, like, okay, I, I've got to have a a four-piece rod that I can shove into the bag that goes underneath the plane. Well, I think also when you think about a trip, obviously you have to plan for food. That's a big Mm -hmm. issue. You know, we're always big. You know, if we go on a four-day trip, at least two of the the nights we want to go out to a nice restaurant. Two of the nights. Maybe four out of four. Yeah, right. That's, (laughs) thank you. We need to be truthful. Come clean on that. I always wonder why my budget is blown that, you know, I have this philosophy that, 
you mm -hmm. budget for something, but once you're on the trip, you don't worry about money. Remember, you worry Dave, about that later. Yes. <laughs> you, you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. Yeah. But no, it's, it's true. You've got to think about where you're going to eat because we fish some places where there's not a restaurant very close, there's not a grocery store. And yeah, how much do you want to spend? Are, are you going to eat out? Are you going to you know, pack your, your lunch? Or Usually for us, it's a combination of both. We'll, we'll get a good breakfast, then we'll, we'll pack in a light lunch and then eat somewhere good in the Although evening. Although this last fall, we were up at 4.30 oh, and on the it. river like yeah. at 6. Yeah. So, so we, uh, there was no nice leisurely no, breakfast. No, there wasn't. No. That's right. So let's just stop here for a moment. So on a trip to Montana, what do we spend each? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. So your airline flight, let's just say $400. Well, sometimes it used to be beat, that. But yeah, it's, sometimes we've beat that, but it can, it can be higher. I paid 600 mm -hmm. this last year. Yep. I just got it. I should have purchased it earlier, but the right. flights were so expensive. That's true. I wish Southwest flew into Bozeman. Oh, I know. I know it. Well, then you have a rental car. And by the way, that's that's another issue. Don't want to get away from this topic of expense, but but do you want a car or an SUV? And honestly, I'm glad last year that we had an SUV, or we wouldn't have gotten been able to go back into Willow Creek. I yeah, mean, we had to drive a absolutely. two track with uh, uh, you know ruts. I mean, just kind of a farm road that had a lot of ruts in it, and we couldn't have done it in a car. It would have been tough. So. What we've we've sometimes got rates for maybe three hundred a week, and we're splitting that, so yeah, there's one hundred fifty nice. there. Yeah, then from there, it's our. our you think we spend fifteen hundred? I don't think quite now. Probably more like a thousand. Um, now, if we buy gear, <laughs> I was just gonna. Oh say. yeah, that's right. The three hundred dollar uh, Patagonia foot tractor wading boots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I don't okay. add that into the trip budget. That comes out of another budget. Yeah. Seriously, the equipment budget. Uh, but no, you do. You've got so you get your your uh, your flight, your rental car, and then we've been fortunate, like you said, we've got people we can stay with. But oh, last year, I mean, we we spent uh, probably eighty a piece. I mean, we got we got two rooms. We stayed two nights in in Gardner, Montana. It was about 80, 85 a night, and we split that. But uh, that's an expense. You've got to add in food. You've got to add in licenses. You're and also you, driving a lot, so there's you gas, are. So right? there's gas, you know, 25 bucks to go into Yellowstone Park, and uh, you know, your fishing license. Uh, I would say it's probably more like 1200 Okay. All right, that, that Then you add the good. foot tractors in it. Okay, there you go. That's 1500 yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, you were right on that. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about another thing that we think about. This would be uh, limitations and variables. Uh, limitations being physical limitations. And thankfully, uh, we're, we're very grateful there's none at this point for us. But uh, this could, for some people, include uh, you, you've got to have good fishing access points. Uh, you have to have the right kind of terrain. Uh, you know, we fish in places that really aren't that hard to get to, but wow, you're scrambling over boulders. I mean, I think of some places along the Yellowstone River, uh, you can pull right up, fishing access, get out, walk 20 feet and you're fishing, but as you walk up the river, I mean, you're, you're hopping over boulders and it's, you know, a few places you've got some banks or some hills. It's, it's not easy. 
So well, Willow, got, Creek, Willow Creek last oh, fall. That's exactly That was right. three miles mm-hmm. in, and there was no yep. trail along that river. So you're climbing over boulders, yep. mm-hmm. and, and on the way back, you're tired, so you're kind of yeah. uh, exhausted, and, and it, that's when you fell, actually, last Yeah, that's year. right. But, uh, yeah, there are physical limitations, and yep. you just need to know what you're able to fish. Well, yeah, I mean, a couple years ago, we did nothing on the last day of a five-day trip because we had really pushed it hard the first four days and you know maybe i mean we're we're both mid 50s now maybe at mid 30s we would have yeah let's go out there one more day but we didn't uh i you know i don't do want to back up though and say we have friends who are you know have some handicaps and so even issues like handicapped restrooms and uh length of hike you know one thing i would say to those who have some kind of physical handicaps is uh is consider uh, you know hiring a guide because uh, a float trip can be a great option. Absolutely. But even then, some of these guys can uh, you know can get you out at places. I mean, we have a friend who does a lot of work with uh, uh, with veterans, and he will take veterans out, and he's had some uh, wounded warriors out who are are in wheelchairs, and he's figured yeah, paraplegics. out yeah places to get them to really good fly fishing where. Uh, he's even had their wheelchairs, you know, in the water in the edge of a of a stream, and they've caught fish. Yeah, that's so amazing. It can be done, but it really does require more planning. Hey, the other thing about limitations is building in that flex time. Uh, the older you get, the harder it is to fish from dawn to dusk for three or four days in a row. So don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm only out here for four days. I have to do everything. I, I think we felt that way, didn't we, when we first started doing this? But with every year, we've realized that sometimes less is more. And it's Absolutely. not that we, that we lounge around and fish for two hours. No, we, we fish hard, but I think we've done a good job of building in some We also downtime. have the sense, too, I think, when you're fishing three or four hours, five hours, if you've caught nothing for three or four or five yeah. hours, you'll yeah. probably catch nothing for the last yeah, two hours, really. right? And so some, when I was younger, I wouldn't call it in. I'd, yeah. I'd just, mm-hmm. okay, I've got to fish until it's absolutely black out and, yep. and, and stumble my way back to the truck. Mm-hmm. But there's also this sense, if you're fishing three or four hours like last fall in the gardener, and we had caught quite a few fish, yeah. you're like, eh, I think I'm done. Let's yeah. go have, mm-hmm. uh, let's go eat. That's right. And... And that's part of just a, of who you are. It's going to be different for every fly it fisher. It really is. And uh, it's really important. Hey, one of the other variables, we're, we're talking here about limitations and variables is one of the, uh, the, the details that we factor in when we plan a trip. And that's the weather. You really have to have a plan B if the river and maybe even a plan C, like multiple contingency plans. Yeah, because even in the nice weather, you can get a river that's muddy or or maybe it gets too warm. Remember a few years ago when we fished, uh, uh, we were gonna fish the the lower Madison. We ended up being able to do that, but we had to do it earlier and, and we didn't spend as much time because it was so hot that summer in Montana that uh, you know, Fish, Wildlife, and Parks was saying, hey, we really recommend that you don't fish past, uh, I don't know if it was 11 a.m. or noon on, on the, you know, on the Madison, certain stretches of the Madison. So you have to have plans in place, in, even in the summer. Yes, yeah, spring, fall, that, that may seem a little bit more uh, apparent, but, but even in the summer, you've got I to I remember when we were on the Driftless a couple of years ago, 
we got there, started fishing. There was so much sun on the water. It was so warm. We just mm -hmm. said, okay. And we just basically stopped for about two hours, three hours, just kind of lounged around until the sun was off the river and it fell behind uh, some of the hills. And then we started to fish again. Yeah, that's right. Dave, what else? So the fifth thing is gathering your information. So it's the research. Yeah. And this really may be a personality thing. But the more you, there's, there's a sense in which you can research too much. Yeah, there is. So, you know, you could probably mm -hmm. go too far into research. But, I, you know, through the years, the success we've had really is largely thanks to Steve. Um, but recently I, was, I took my nephew to the Driftless, and I spent a lot of time trying to figure out where to fish on the Blue River, which is west of Madison, about probably 60, 70 miles. And we had, you know, a day and a half that was just super. But I mapped it out. I'd never been there before mm -hmm. and we had enough time and enough um, different types of flies that we actually ended up catching quite a few. Actually, it was the day that caught the yeah. biggest trout that I've ever caught, biggest Man. brown in the Driftless. And it, we, I probably caught, I probably got eight or nine fish that day, wow. which is the most I've ever That's caught great. in the Driftless. So, uh, so gathering your information. Yeah. Now, Steve, why don't you, I mean, how do you think about this? Because you do a lot of the planning for our Montana trips. Yeah, I, you know, I always look at the fly shops and their websites, and uh, you know, sometimes we'll contact them, email them, pick up the phone, uh, tell them your skill level, any health limitations, and and tell them that you plan to shop there. I mean, be honest. If if you don't plan to do that, don't tell them. But one thing we've tried to do is is hey, if they're going to give us information, we'll we'll go in and we'll we'll buy our our leaders there will will buy what we need. Uh, so fly shops are good. Uh, recommendations from friends. Uh, you can read books uh, about certain areas, although so much of that is is now accessible on the web. I'd say something else is that your knowledge base really builds after you visit somewhere the first time. And you know what? If you visit somewhere the first time and it's not as good as you thought or that you heard other people do, hopefully you'll have learned something that trip where you can go back a second time and you'll know where to go you'll know what to do you know who to fish with so there is something to be said for going back to some of the same places uh, i would say that is a huge again. thing i, really I think is. you're you yeah. will be you should almost expect to be frustrated yeah. mm -hmm. unless it's an anomaly yeah um mm -hmm. there's a blue moon and you have this terrific time yeah. i just think about uh, all the times we fish in Montana and what we know now about yep. the rivers, the flow of the rivers, what time of year, where mm -hmm. we, whether we should fish the Boulder or Taylor Fork or ah, there's just so many variables. And that that's kind of like this intellectual property that builds yeah, over time about exactly where you fish. Right. It really is. And that's a that's a huge asset. That's something that you can build. and Nobody can take that away from you. All right, here's a final thought. We need to do this quickly, but uh, think about the trip we took last October. Uh, very quickly, why did that work? It worked because of... Well, we uh, had a very specific game plan. Yeah, a very specific I mean, game yeah. plan. That's and we were flexible, part. obviously. That's the key, too. You've got the game plan, but then you're flexible. So talk about when we were flexible. Yeah, I mean, the pieces came together later because we went out there. We, we kind of knew, all right, we want to fish uh, a day with our friend... Uh, Dave, we want to fish a day up near Helena with our friend Doug, and and both of these guys, uh, their schedules at that point just happened to be kind of in flux. So uh, they, they wanted to fish with us, and we fished with them, but we had to be flexible on the days. 
Uh, we had one day lined out down in uh, Yellowstone uh, in, you know, to fish the Gardner River and uh, used a guide because we hadn't been there before. We, we could have, I think we would have gone and done all right, but uh, that turned out to be great. Well, you know what? You drove that, the idea of going with a guide. I actually was not for that. If you yeah. remember, I was kind yeah. of dragging my feet thinking, do we really need to pay for a guide? I'm telling you, we would have had we would have caught a tenth yeah, of the fish. Right. We would have never hit those nope. runs that we were on, ever. But that was the only day we had, we said, okay, we know that, I think it was Wednesday, that we're, Tuesday, we're going to be fishing with this guy. And then it just turned out that Monday we were able to fish uh, Willow Creek with a friend. And then Wednesday we were able to go to... Uh, the Missouri. Uh, the Missouri. And then we had a, a day, we, we always kind of do this, is let's make sure we have one or two days where... Let's see what's been good, and we'll go back. And so, I mean, the gardener was, I mean, Willow Creek was great, and the gardener was phenomenal. So yeah. I was like, well, let's go back. And I remember thinking the first day, you know what, if the gardener turns out to be a flop, we'll go back and fish Willow Creek. If, yeah, if we yeah. get on that, we'll call and, you know, reserve uh, rods on it that day. It's free, but you have to get reservations. But no, it, it worked out. So game plan, flexibility, margins too yeah we have to allow we always allow time to get the licenses you know get the flies that you need sometimes mm -hmm. you get to a place and realize you don't have the flies that you need yep. gear water snacks etc yep. we also factor in the travel time i mean you're going from the gardener to helen is what four oh, or man. five yeah. hours mm -hmm. so we fished right. the gardener on one day yeah and that night we or night we drove back to bozeman yeah. got up really early, really early drove to helena montana and fished, fished the missouri, missouri yeah. then came back and then drove on thursday morning got up really early drove back to the gardener no, actually, no 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 that night remember so on wednesday after we fished the missouri we quit earlier and, and this is to our point we we said we've got to allow a margin here so we just took our time getting back down the gardener oh, that's right that's yeah right. had a that's good right. night's sleep and then got up and we were the first guys on the river. We were the only guys yeah, on the river. Yeah, there was nobody on that the river. That was great. Yeah. Well, hey, it's time for uh, great stuff from our listeners. Uh, Dwayne Dunham, he's a veteran fly fisher from Oregon, posted a comment about our post on interpreting the four behaviors of trout. And this is what he wrote. He said, it's true that splashy rises are trout feeding on caddisflies, but that needs an addendum. The splash is usually because the trout are chasing the emerging caddises up from the bottom. So an emerger pattern often outfishes an elk hair floater. I've even caught many on a pupa, fished uh, with vigorous strips after letting it sink. That's great. That is a good point, isn't it? That is it? really great. That explains some of my frustration, I think, in the driftless. Yeah. And you know what? I've, I've even had success on the Yellowstone during or right before the hatch with a, like a red fox squirrel nymph just below the film. I'll, I'll, I'll fish it maybe as a dropper. Or sometimes I'll drift it as a nymph, but, but not as deep because I'm not trying to imitate something you know, that just got dislodged. So your top fly is a... Oh, is it, a, it would just be an elk hair caddis. And yeah. then, you, and then you drop the nymph. Drop the nymph. How far do you drop it? Um, probably a foot long, just huh. just a foot. So it's just it's basically right. floating along the, in the drift. Yep. But then sometimes uh, in the film, excuse me. Yeah. Sometimes what Dwayne's talking about them too. You just drift it as a nymph, but I, I tend not to drift it as deep, and and like he says, you you just kind of strip it up, you know, after you let it sink. That that's a great that's a great idea. Wow, that's it really great. is. 
Well, that's going to do it for today. How do you plan for a fly fishing trip? Please tell us by going to twoguysinarever.com and comment on this podcast link. What advice would you give a fellow fly fisher about planning for a trip? You can find Two Guys in a River everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. And of course, you can visit our website, Two Guys in a River. We do publish a new episode and new article each week. Well, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Thank you.